to the Principles of Success podcast. This is your host, Dr. Shana Henry. This podcast is for current or aspiring female school leaders and those who are supportive of their journeys. Each week, we will hear from passionate educational leaders. I will also share my reflections from over 15 years as a school leader. Together, we will talk about how to level up our schools and our leadership. Welcome back to the Principles of Success podcast. Today, I am joined by Principal Felicia Thomas, the fearless leader of Tips Elementary School in Houston, Texas. In this episode, we explore the topic of difficult conversations, why they are essential in leadership work, and the reasons people shy away from them. Principal Thomas will also share three frameworks you can use when preparing for a difficult conversation. Let's get started. Hello, Principal Felicia Thomas. So happy to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) So I would love for everyone to know a little more about you. What can you tell us? Okay, so I live in Texas. I've just completed a full year as a principal. Congratulations. Yes, I'm so excited. I I started out as actually going to be a television anchor lady. Wow. So I don't know how I got from there to here, but early on, I realized that I wanted to impact the lives of kids and make a change. And I also realized that I wanted to be home when everybody else was home. And I worked at a newspaper and, you know, we were at the newspaper and people were at home and I was like, "Mm, nope. Uh, And then I, out of college, I worked at a child abuse prevention, uh, at a crisis center as a child abuse prevention educator. And it was there that like, I sort of got this passion that I wanted to help kids and people kept saying, you should teach. And I kept saying, no, thank you. And I kind of fell into teaching. It's crazy, but I love it. It's totally my passion. It's what I should be doing. I love it. And then what took you to leadership? Oh, wow. What took me to leadership? And you're going to laugh, but it was two things. One, I was working in my garage and love my husband dearly, but I was reading this book that said smart women finish rich. And mm-hmm. it said there was one myth that it said, because I thought I was going to be a stay at home mom. There was a myth that said someone will take care of you. And he said, no, ma'am. He said, even if your husband's taking care of you, he had all these stories of these women who their husbands had died. They didn't realize they didn't have yes. any money. They were like totally broke. He had second mortgage on the home. Because they didn't keep their hands on the money or they didn't understand or they weren't involved. And so Mm -hmm. it was like at that moment that I got this jolt that he could lose his mind and leave (laughs) me. Like that wouldn't be him losing his mind. Or he could, um, you know, something could happen to him. And I was like, I have four little boys. How am I taking care of them if tomorrow Mm. something happens? I'm already in education. I was like, well, what job do I have to have to make enough money to pay all the bills? And so at that moment, I was like, I think I need a principal. Now, the other thing that drove me, because I was like, which one, what pays the most in this? I probably should be a superintendent, but I don't know if I have the, (laughs) I don't know if I have the nerves for that. It's very political. But the other thing was I was working as an interventionist and a school that I worked at, I found out that they were going to, they told a fifth grade girl that she would be in fifth grade provisionally. That Mm. after the first six to nine weeks, they would make a decision about whether or not she needed to be in fourth grade or fifth grade. And I was living. I was like, guys, you understand what you're going to do to her psychologically, emotionally. That's a we don't you either keep her in fourth grade or you let her go on. But to let her go to fifth grade and then put her back. So 
I voiced my concern. We had a meeting. The principal didn't come, just the APs, the counselors, my instructional specialist. And we I brought data and research and it almost felt like it was a power trip. They said, we're putting her back anyway. Oh, I was wow. angry. And I went back to my office, well, to my classroom. And I realized in that moment that if I continued to fight, that it would put me on the outskirts. Like they would see me as a troublemaker. But also, if I wanted to impact and make a difference in children's lives, I needed to be the leader. Mm-hmm. Because if I was the leader in that situation, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So those are the two things that drove me to leadership. So now it's about good trouble. Yes, exactly. <laughs> good night. I'm passionate about helping kids. And for some reason, I have a passion for the the kids who are disenfranchised or who who have grow up in yes. homes with child abuse and who I, the bad kid that they don't want to deal with. Yes. That's who I fall in love with, because I just know that they just need somebody to believe in them and that's they right. can do great things. So today yes. we talked. I opened up with. The book, I showed a video from Jim Quick, Limitless. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Mm-mm. And uh, so Jim Quick, I read his book last week and I just came by by accident. But he shares that when he was in school younger, he fell and hit his head on the radiator and had brain damage. It took him three years to learn to read. He struggled through school. But now Jim Quick like teaches other people to speed read and he mm. teaches memorization tricks. And so like... This person who said his teacher pointed to him to another teacher and said in front of him, that's the kid with the broken brain Mm. is now someone who makes tons of money teaching actors how to speed read their scripts. And I said to my staff today, because our vision is unlocking the brilliance in every child that I don't want you to allow their disabilities or what they bring to the table to make you think they can't because they can. Mm hmm. Okay, so I love that story you just shared because I think it sets the tone for what we're going to talk about today. And on this podcast, we've covered a lot of topics and listeners may think some are sexier than others, (laughs) but I think we're going to talk about one today that's really sexy and that's difficult conversations. (laughs) And I feel like you just gave us two examples of just kind of sharing your truth, which might be difficult for some people to hear. So here's why I'm excited to talk about this. I think difficult conversations are necessary in any leadership role, but it's also an art to do it really well. So since you're willing to go there with me, I want to I want to take this as far as we can go. How does that sound? Sounds great. Let's do it. All right. So from your perspective, why do you think difficult conversations are an essential piece of leadership? Because and I heard this years ago, if you're not talking or telling the truth, your relationship is not healthy. Because you're mm-hmm. holding on to some stuff. You're not sharing. So there's some barriers there that aren't being dealt with. It is to be healthy, to have a healthy culture, you have to have those conversations. For example, I did a survey about a month ago and I asked the staff, do you feel supported? Do you feel safe? And then I said, why? If you said yes, why? If you said no, why? And someone, I still to this day don't know who, said the principal threw me under the bus. Well, I don't even know who I threw under the bus. I can't even repair that relationship. I can't even have the difficult conversation of that's not even what I meant because I don't even know who that person is. So that person's walking around feeling like I threw them under the bus. And girl, I don't even know what happened. Right. And so now that means that I've got a broken relationship that I don't even know about. And we can't deal with it until that person feels confident enough or trust enough 
to have the difficult conversation with me. Mm-hmm. So healthy relationships have difficult conversations. So it's healing. Yes. Not just healing, because sometimes you'll find out when you're having a difficult conversation, the person didn't even mean what you thought they meant. They, their intention wasn't there. I've learned 90% of the time the intent is not even what I thought it was when I have mm. the conversation. Now, 10% of the time, sometimes they meant it just like they dealt it. However, if you don't speak up and have the conversation, you never know. And you're right. You never can get to a place of reconciling the relationship. Yeah. So you just mentioned you're coming off of year one of being a principal. Did you find yourself having to do some of those conversations in year one? Yes. But I was careful how I did them because I think it's not just about decimating people or hurting people's feelings or telling them the hard truth. You've got to package it in such a way that it's received. Mm -hmm. And so initially my first three months, wasn't trying to have a whole lot of difficult conversations. I really was just trying to learn the environment, learn the culture, see what was working, see what wasn't working. Unless it was a safety issue, I didn't address it. I just kind of watched. Now, as things came about that needed to be addressed, I did. Like I had to have a hard conversation with my admin team because the other thing I learned was a lot of times they want to give it to me to deal with. And I'm like, no, 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 you brought it to me. So I need you. Let me tell you how you need to address it. Mm-hmm. You know, like you just want to be the scapegoat. Ms. Thomas, can you handle this? No, you're on my admin team for a reason. So the first difficult conversations I had to have was with my own admin team about we talk, we deal with things. We don't, things that we ignore become a part of our culture. So having to push them to address some things that were concerning them. And I think they were just used to complaining about or telling the leader about and then the leader handled it, which makes me the bad guy. I don't have a problem being the bad guy. However, if they're the ones seeing the situation, they should be addressing it. Mm-hmm. Now, that was the beginning. Right. So I'm really curious in year one, you know, people talk about relationship building and and things like that, which is absolutely essential. I'm wondering if there was anything you felt that you did in those first three months that set the groundwork for you to be able to have those conversations. Yes. So I did. With the staff, I met with everybody one-on-one. I took a month and I let them sign up for 15-minute appointments. Man, with everyone one-on-one, I asked them three guiding questions. I can't remember off the top of my head what they were, but I asked three guiding questions. I just got to know them. I was, all I wanted to do was get to know them and for them to see that I was approachable. With my admin team, I used the five dysfunctions of a team by, I'm going to say his name wrong, Lee Incioni. I don't know if that's right or right. Close enough. But, <laughs> but <laughs> right? But we talked about, we have to trust each other. We have to have conflict. You know, we have to hold each other accountable. The different things that needed to be in place for us to be a solid team, because I was told I was coming to a disunified team. So Mm -hmm. I did those things to try to lay the groundwork so that I could have those hard conversations to build those relationships. You know, I'm I'm excited that you mentioned that book because I, I just mentioned that book this weekend. I love The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And part of that is fear of conflict, right? Mm-hmm. It's dysfunctional when you have that fear. And it talks about mining for conflict and kind of like poking the bear a little bit, provoking that conversation 
which I think falls so deeply into difficult conversations, they have to be had. Yes. And you know when people haven't reached a level of trust when they won't have them. Just started that process with my front office staff and Mm -hmm. noticed that when I asked them, part of building trust is to talk about your background. And so one of the questions is like, what's a difficulty that you experienced growing up? And I had about two people on the team who, I n- nothing ever happened to me. I've never went mm-hmm. through anything. Well, I'm not crazy. You had a boy, <laughs> like, dish you or something. Like, something happened. Sure. But they were real, this wall. And so that, that right. taught me. So I was like, okay, i got to work with them. They're not ready yet. And that's okay. With the admin team this summer, we did one of the activities where you have to tell somebody a strength about themselves. But a weakness. They mm-hmm. cringed. Oh, my gosh. I could tell because they weren't used to that. They won't hurt anybody's feelings. I don't want to be honest with you. Now, behind your back, I'll talk it. I'll talk about your weakness, but not your face. And I said, and I'm going to go first. Well, first, I had them write it down. I was like, write down the strength about, this, about each person in the room. Write down a weakness. So then I said, I'll go first. Now, go around the room and tell mm-hmm. me my strength. Now, tell me my weakness. I got to tell you, yes, I'm a big girl. I can handle it. And we did that for everybody. But I still had two people in the room. Oh, I don't wow. have anything that tells me you don't trust us yet and yes. we're going to get there. So, yeah, yeah. you're right. You got a mind. But he talks about in your meetings when you're talking about things, making sure that if someone disagrees that they say it. A lot of times, like I just mm. said, people hold it in. They don't say anything and then they're frustrated or they're mad later or whatever. We're trying. The initiative fails because you didn't speak up and tell us about something that we don't see. So part of that right. having that conflict is voicing your opinion in a respectful Mm -hmm. way. And I think that's the key is it doesn't have to be mean or harsh or rude with respect. Yeah. And I think when people think conflict or difficult conversations, they automatically think I'm going to hurt someone's feelings. I'm going to be mean when actually it's providing clarity. And Brene Brown says clarity is kindness. Yes. We are, we're looking at culture too. We're looking at the book on culture, I can't think of the name of it, but one of the things we did was we did the culture topology survey and it talked about, are you toxic, balkanized, uh, Mm. contrived or comfortable, collaborative or collaborative? Well, we're right now at a contrived, like I'm making them go and do peer coaching. I'm making them talk to each other. Whereas before they didn't want to have those conversations. But when you get to comfortable collaborative, you don't want to hurt people's feelings. Like they're talking but they don't want to say something that might hurt someone. But when you get to collaborative, we're going to be honest and open. Mm. So that's where we're trying to go. I love it. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about the the frameworks you use. When you when you get that person or team in front of you and you have those conversations, you use some frameworks. So let's talk about the first one you might use. Okay, so the one I learned years ago after the whole situation with the little girl was I used uh, one from Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office. And so first, I'm going to tell you the situation. I'm going to present the problem. Hey, Shanna, this happened the other day. It kind of hurt my feelings. I want to know how you felt about it. So then I allow them an opportunity to share their perspective. And I listen. I think people need to feel that you're listening and seek first to understand, right? So then after hearing what you have to say, then repeating what you said, Okay, so I see you feel blah, 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 blah. Then I say, but what needs to happen in the future? 
and then the consequence of that, which could be a positive or a negative. Our relationship will be better, our working relationship, or, you know, if this continues, I have to write you a memo, whichever one it is. <laughs> so that's one I use. Okay, let's jump into the second one. Yes. So the second one is from No Fail Communication by Michael Hyatt. And so you give the vision. This is what I expected. The gap. This is what happened. And the opportunity here. So what's the opportunity we have to fix it or to, you know, get past whatever happened? So I use, I've just started using that one. And then the last one that I love is the radical candor. And the mm. best thing I love about radical candor is that they, she talks about how it's important to not only tell people the truth, but to do it with love. And I, I think that's the piece that people miss sometimes. Is there's just straight truth and hurt people's feelings. Whereas if I do it because I care about you, if I signify to you that I'm giving you this information because I care, that that is makes it more palatable and able for the person to receive. So, for instance, I have someone who's an interim. I made her interim on purpose because... The person leaving the role really believed in her, felt like this was the role for her. She needed to replace her. And I interviewed her and I wasn't so sure just yet. And then I had people on my admin team that she can be a little harsh. I was like, okay. So I, you know, the other person was really vying for her to get that position. I said, nope, we're going to move her in an interim position. And I told mm -hmm. her at the end of this school year, I'm going to interview and she said, well, if I don't get it, can I keep my intervention roles? You sure can. But I didn't want to lie to her and say, it's yours. Because I knew that one piece that she could be harsh. Mm -hmm. That's what I was told. I haven't seen it. But that is the concern that I've heard from more than one person. So I need to see how you're going to do in this role with talking to adults. So then I had a district person say to me, I see you have such and such in that role. She can be a little harsh. So... Then the conversation I had with her is, you're always on an interview because I care about you and mm -hmm. I want you to be successful. I want you to be aware that you ha people have the perception that you can be harsh. And that's mm -hmm. something we want to work on together because why? I want to help her be successful. So, of course, I'm going to give her how to win friends and influence people because she yes. needs to work on being soft. Like She's going to get the job done. She's going to give it to you straight, but she's not going to think about how that leaves you feeling and one of my coaches said to me, she said, "It's you've got to always think about how you leave people feeling when you walk mm -hmm. away from the situation. So if I have to give someone a hard truth, I'm always going to do it because I care and make sure you know. Sometimes I'll always start with, you know, I love you. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, I love you. At one of my schools, I was always the person who had to tell people that they had on tights with their booty out and that they needed to have <laughs> on a shirt or something covering. My principal was a man right. and he's like, he'd be like, Felicia, did you see such and such? I'm like, no, I don't even pay attention to that kind of stuff. So you need to talk to her about that. So if I came to you and go, hey, girl, we was about to have a conversation about how you were dressed. <laughs> that was the lean in. I love it. I love it. You know, though, you said something that made me think about how people leave that conversation. And a few years ago, I learned that by closing a conversation and asking someone, how are you feeling right now? How are you feeling about this conversation? I think it's a good way to kind of close those meetings sometimes to just get a perspective and humanize the talk. I love that. I'm going to add that. <laughs> okay. Well, I feel honored. So I'm curious too, after you have the conversation and some time has passed, how does the, the post-conversation look like, the follow-up? 
So Todd Whitaker says, always repairing. You're always repairing, right? So I try to keep everything the same as it was before we had the conversation. I'm still speaking. I'm actually looking for opportunities to praise and build you up. So I think that does the repairing piece is like, I don't want you to feel like our relationship has changed because we had the hard conversation. So I'm always, I'm, Hey, how are you doing? Love your hair. Love your dress. I love what you did in class today because just because we had to have a hard conversation doesn't mean that I don't like you or I think you're terrible at what you do. So I always try to make sure that that person gets those pats afterwards so that they're Mm -hmm. not decimated or just taken out by the conversation. Yeah, that's so great because it's uncomfortable for us to have those conversations too. And it can show up afterwards because we might create distance or think something's funny and it creates a, a feeling in the air. Yep. So that's just kind of how I try to do it. I just try to keep, make sure I'm repairing the relationship. And then if we have to have a follow-up conversation about the situation, we will. But I I always try to praise what I see you doing right. Like if you're doing it right, you're doing it right. Now, I know that if if we get to a place that I've got to try to run you off, like my thing is you're going to grow or go, then that Mm -hmm. might be a different, (laughs) at that point, I just might be like, look, we just got to help you leave. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. So this was an incredible conversation. I love all the references to the books. I feel like I need to go read after this conversation now, (laughs) but I'm going to link all of those references in our show notes because people are going to want to look them up for sure. So thank you for that. As we close, we always do our fast five. So if you're willing, we're going to have a little fun with some just one word or sentence responses. You ready? Okay. Um, I hope I'm ready. Okay. You're going to be great. Okay, this first one might be hard for you, though, because you just referenced a lot. But favorite leadership book? Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Love it. Favorite app? Well, it changes from season to season. But right now, it's Instagram. Okay. (laughs) Best Amazon find for work? I would say Labeler, because I like to label things. Oh, my gosh. I just bought my first one this year. (laughs) It's changed my life. It's life-changing. Yeah. Favorite song to put you in a good mood? I, uh, I'm i Unstoppable by Corinne Hawthorne. I think that's her last name. One tip you would tell your first year principal self? Oh, my gosh. It was Fast and Furious. So I would just say strap in for the ride. And I think I've successfully made it through. But I will say strap in for the ride and um, enjoy the journey. Mm. All right. If listeners want to connect with you, how should they do so? Oh, they can connect with me on Twitter at Felicia WT, F-E-L-I-C-I-A-W-T, or um, apparently on Instagram because I'm always on Instagram. And uh, my Instagram is Phil and F-E-L-A-N-N-T-H-O. So anyway, I have enjoyed this thoroughly. I love what I do. I'm passionate about it. I think I'm in the right field. I think you are too. And I think everyone listening after today will say amen to that. (laughs) Thank you, Shanna. Thank you so much for this conversation today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. A big thank you to Principal Thomas for her time today and sharing some amazing takeaways. Difficult conversations are indeed an art form. And Principal Thomas demonstrates how you can lead these times with grace and care. Don't forget to share this episode with other fearless female leaders and on your social media platforms using hashtag principles of success podcast. 
Until next time, this is Dr. Shana Henry with the Principles of Success podcast. 